I, uh, I had an encounter years ago with a friend at our old church, uh, a man named Scott, who was a psychologist, actually, and I, I loved talking with him about how best to love and serve people. But then one day, Scott posed a question to me that I thought was very compelling. You know, he looked across our, our community at that time, however many, 800 people or so, and he said, Charlie, I really have to wonder, as you look out across a community, where are the people who are mature and secure? The ones who can actually reach out to other people, to be present uh, for another person, to hear their story, to extend themselves and to invite them out and to reach out to someone else. Where are those, those people? Why aren't there more? And I thought about it. It takes a very mature person to risk reaching out to another person, taking that initial, sometimes awkward step of extending yourself. And uh, <clears throat> as I was praying this morning, and the reason I really want to keep this simple is uh, I had a time of prayer and just worship and encounter with the Lord, and then um, I don't always do this, but I asked if he had something specific for all of us today. And so I'll go ahead and just read again out of my journal. And I really hope and challenge you to please take time, slow down, quiet down. Even this morning, my soul was so noisy, I can barely tell. I was wondering if I was going to be able to break through the distraction and the clutter and the busyness of my soul. And then finally, I just decided, God, I need that gentle peace. I need to just learn to listen and to be honest all the different things i tried reading the word prayer worship was all okay but the breakthrough didn't come until i sat down and quieted myself and i asked the lord to just begin to interact with me and so if you haven't practiced journaling again i just challenge you let that be the light switch to turn your attention onto him and learn to hear what it is he is saying so i asked him this morning if he had something for us specifically for this service and uh, what I heard was reach out. Just those two words, reach out. But then he touched on three areas. He said reach out to each other, reach out to friends and family, and reach out to those that you don't even know yet. And it really, it, it set something off in me. It's like, wait a minute. It's like Scott was talking about. To be mature, to be secure, means that you reach out of yourself toward another person, toward who they are, where they are, what their need might be. You've got enough inside, you're secure enough in the love that you've already received that you know how to be present just for another person, for their welfare, for their benefit, for their sake. And isn't that really the nature of God's love? That while we were yet sinners, he reached out to us. He demonstrated. He didn't just say he loved us. Thank God he says it over us and we need to hear it and we need to believe it, we need to receive it, we need to walk on it. Yes, he says he loves us, but he also, in his actions, in everything you read about him, shows his complete commitment to the best interest, the well-being of everyone that he encountered. It's so profound. I was going to preach this morning, I thought, on Matthew 
chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes and the cultural shift that Jesus brought, the, the rocking of the nations of his values, that declaration of what his ministry was going to be all about. And it's so beautiful because it shows who it is, who he is. But when you read through the Sermon on the Mount, and I challenge you to do that this week, just read through Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7 and Jesus declaring what his ministry is, what his values are, and just read it and see, God, I'm in alignment here, and Lord, I've got so far to go. Oh, I love to love my enemies. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I always rejoice when I'm persecuted. Oh, it's my first reaction. I mean, his heart is so different than ours, but ultimately, when you read the Beatitudes, it's all an expression of what perfect, permanent love looks like. So, the Lord was interacting with me. He told me to reach out to each other, which meant our church family. So this week, purpose to reach out. Make a phone call. Have a cup of coffee. Go invite someone to your home. Have a pastry. You know, just write a note. Reach out to somebody. If, if the household of faith, if our brothers and sisters here who we love and are connected with and we so miss being connected, don't we? We need to be intentional to reach out to the people who already are committed to the Lord and to his kingdom and what he's doing on the earth and supporting each other and just receiving from each other. If it doesn't start there in the household of faith, then we're missing out on so, so much. But then we have covenant relationships with friends that we know, wow, this is a God-given relationship. I need to honor this person that has been a mentor to me, that I'm a, a father to, this person that I think of as a son, as a daughter, but also our actual family. We have those covenant relationships that we need to attend to, and so we need to extend ourselves with generosity of soul toward those that we already have a connection with and maintain those. But then, to reach out, and I love this part, to people who you have no connection with yet, no reason to think you're going to benefit in any way from an interaction with them. Some person uh, at a grocery store, some person walking down the street, the barista, whoever it is, to extend yourself, to reach out to them in that moment and to offer a simple encouragement or an act of kindness. So as I continued journaling, he told me to reach out to those three kinds of people in my life. He said, uh, do not just say I love you, show I love you. Acts of unselfish kindness, demonstrations of love that are rooted in a desire to see what is genuinely in the other person's best interest. What is the nature of God's love toward us if it isn't that? So it made me think of 1 John 4, 8. Everyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Those three words encapsulate the entire message of the Bible, of the gospel, of the nature of God, and I've reflected over it over the years, but I barely scratched the surface of what that quality of God's love really means. So uh, I did a little word study just because I enjoy that. And of course, the word God is love is agape in the Greek. So here are some other words that define it. It means an affectionate regard, 
benevolence, goodwill, God's willful direction toward man. It involves God doing what he knows is best for man and not necessarily what man desires. God's willful direction toward us is always, always in our best interest. Even when it's not what we want, it's because God knows better. And doesn't that actually sound like the perfect parent? Like the greatest parent you've ever heard of? And by the way, not an authoritarian parent, not a dictator, ruler, dominating, uses shame or fear to make sure you're doing what you need to do. He's not that kind of a parent. That kind of parenting doesn't produce strong, secure, mature individuals. It, it creates people that are dependent. I, I wish I could preach on this, but lately I've been thinking, you know, it's to God's glory to conceal a matter, and it's men's glory to search a matter out. If we do not give our time and attention to God, God slowly begins to fade. He allows our pursuit of Him to be rewarded as we diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those who chase after him. Why? Because he's not going to dominate people in, in a human sense. But he's also not a permissive parent, is he? He doesn't just let you do whatever, whenever, hurt whoever you want. You can't just live any kind of way that you, you want. There are commandments. There are ways that demonstrate love that are meaningful. And by the way, we don't have time to go into it right now, but the, uh, my favorite verse that comes against the idea of being a permissive parent or just giving people what they want is Psalms 89.30. You can study it later, but it talks about the descendants of David and the covenant promise that God gave, the permanent promise to David to love him and his descendants. And it says, if they disobey, if they don't follow my ways, I will punish them. But his punishment even comes, his correction comes, his discipline comes to those who he loves, which is a whole other aspect of love that I want to grow into and am growing into in this season of my life. But 1 John 4:19 through 21 is the beginning point, I think, of what we need to hear to be able to be empowered to love the way God loves. And that is, verse 19, we love because... He first loved us. And verse 21 says, And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We love because he first loved us. If we can't receive that message of his intentional, willful, reaching out to us, his extravagant love, the reconciliation we have with a father who delighted in us on the day of our birth. If we can't actually receive that into our heart outside of our performance, he loves me when I'm lovable. He can't love me if, if I'm not lovable. If I don't love myself, clearly it must mean God doesn't love me either. That is such a tremendous lie. I would say probably the single greatest 
issue fa facing mankind, the single greatest growth area in all of our lives is accepting and responding to the revelation of his perfect love for each of us individually. And only out of that place where we're not trying to prove something or become something or earn something, only out of that place alone do we finally become completely secure to the point where if somebody misunderstands you and rejects you and ridicules you, it just doesn't matter because you know that you first were loved. And, and I don't think there's any other way of becoming empowered to love outside of growing continually in that revelation. There, there are several ways of phrasing it that I like quite a bit. One of them is who Jesus is to you is who Jesus is through you. So only the level to which you receive his discipline, you receive his love, you receive his presence, are you going to be able to then draw other people into that same genuine experience. But it also says if you can live it, then you can give it. So I, I love that phrase. If you are living any area of your life, you now have transparency and legitimate authority to extend that area that has become lived in your life, you can now give that away to others in increasing measure. Oh, so as we continue even on this theme, it goes a little deeper. Uh, verse 21 of 1 John 4, 9, uh, 4, 21 says, and this commandment we have from him. Well, John 14, 15 through 17 says, if you love me, keep, you will keep my commandments. And that verse has so empowered and challenged and frustrated me at different times. If you read it upside down, if you read it from the flesh, oh God, I have so much trouble keeping your commandments and I guess I must not love you, God, and I'm just, I'm so sorry and I don't know why I choose my own ways. And if you try to hear it through a performance filter, that verse will be very disempowering. But what it says is if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, Lord, I'm having trouble keeping your commandments. You need a greater revelation of his love. You need to press into his presence. You need to let him speak into that area of your life. You need to let him confront. You need to let him chasten. You need to let him encourage you. Whatever he's going to do, because he's in control and you're not, the answer will always be, fall back in love with me. No, trust me who I am in your life, and you will be empowered. And by the way, that verse continues. It's not just that your love for him is going to continue to empower a life of purity, a life of obedience, a life of blessing. But verse 16 says, and I will ask the Father. So Jesus is praying for you, for that ability to overcome those stagnant or dead areas in your life or those areas where you're mastered by something other than the Lord. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, referring to the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. Unlimited access to the most loving, empowered genius the world can ever possibly know. The Holy Spirit contains the very 
nature of God living deep inside of us, empowering us to learn to love more, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So we're not trying to figure out how to love God and how to love others in our own strength. That would be futility. We're learning to love God and to love others by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the helper who resides inside and releases that, that understanding, that presence, that power to love the way he loves. One of the most transformative experiences I've ever had was actually uh, at our old church. As many of you know, Laurie and I served at uh, New Song Church for 25 years, raised our families with all those families in a homeschool group and just loved on people and married people and buried people and we just, we loved our life there and uh, because of the Great Recession, uh, we had to lay somebody off and in God's wisdom and timing, uh, it turned out that I was the one who was going to get laid off. And, and then uh, I've shared this story before, but it's a very personal story to me, and it has set in motion the heart of this message, actually. Uh, I had decided that, look, I don't want to be a hireling. I don't want to be a person who just was here and was nice to people when I was getting paid. You know, I love the Lord. I love these people that we're serving. So even though I've been laid off, I'm going to, as much as is appropriate, maintain my connection with this community. And I was there again this week, and I think maybe that's part of the reason. I had lunch with one of their pastors, and just it was a love fest. It was so encouraging. The Holy Spirit showed up, and we just blessed the socks off of each other. And so I would go to New Song from time to time. I would say hi to people. I would hug on Pastor Richard. I would hang out. And uh, after a couple of years... Uh, my daughter Alyssa was uh, around and so we decided to go to New Song again and I had already been three, four, five times, I don't know how many, but this time was very, very unusual. We got there Sunday morning and got out of the car and right away in the parking lot uh, there were two or three people who were like, ah, Pastor Charlie! And they came over and there was this reunion and it was very nice and then as we're walking past the prayer room in the community center pre-service prayer was letting out and those were my homies too and so another family reunion hey so good to see you and so we get to the entrance of the church and as I walk in Pastor Richard sees me he comes over gives me a great big hug I gave him a big old hug and then somebody on the other side of the lobby saw me and from across the lobby they let out this scream ah Pastor Charlie and everybody stopped for a moment and they turned and they looked so all these eyes fixed on me and then I saw people start walking toward Alyssa and I I'm like okay this is just strange what is going on and I went to the back of the church and there was another family reunion there with people finally it's like okay let's go and sit in the section of the church we always sit at because people in church are addicted to only and feel only safe sitting in the same place and so I went and I sat you know three rows up from the front and then I looked and I saw two or three people from the sanctuary notice me and they all start making a beeline to come over and say hi. And I just thought, Lord, this is weird. 
I do not understand. I've been back to New Song several times since the layoff. Why is, is this reaction happening? And the Lord just very quietly said, I am, I'm showing you your legacy. And I went, my legacy? What's my legacy? And he said, you've left a legacy of love. Whatever kindness, whatever encouragement, whatever confrontation, whatever love I demonstrated that genuinely came from him and the love that I had for him that other people could see and could learn from, it left a deposit. And I didn't have to cultivate it. I didn't have to promote it. Love remains. Love abides Love continues to grow long after an interaction. Love is what God honors eternally. And it's the difference that we make in each other's life that we're going to appreciate, that we're going to value in the kingdom. I know we all have crowns. I know there are going to be rewards. But the greatest reward is just going to be the difference we make in each other's lives because of how we love one another. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. So let God's love through the Holy Spirit pour so deeply into each of our hearts right now. Let us know how loved we are so that we can become those mature people, secure in God's love and learning unselfishly for the best interest of the other to demonstrate that love as we're empowered by his spirit to do it. This is a season for radical love. This is a season for us to become experts of giving and receiving love. If ever there was a divine moment, a sacred moment of opportunity, surely this is it. And it's so easy. Just love your church family. Extend yourself to them. Reach out. It's not rocket science. It's kindness. It's time together. Relationships are built on shared experiences. Share an experience together. Then reach out to your friends who aren't connected in this community and to your family who need encouragement. But don't neglect reaching out, extending yourself to people that you don't even know yet. People who are your future friends and future family. So Father, we just thank you so much for your extravagant love, your pursuit of each of us, that was all along in our own best interest. You only desire what is really best for each of us. And you love so perfectly, so profoundly. You're not here to knock us around and punish us. You're not here to ignore the weaknesses and the growth areas that we have. You are the perfect source of life, the perfect expression of love. And God, we need to grow. We need to get out of our way. We need to get, quit trying to make it happen in our own understanding. Thank you, Holy Spirit. An awakening of love 
An avalanche of love just needs to break loose in each of our hearts that we can be devastated with thankfulness and gratitude of your heart toward us. But let us always remember that your heart toward us empowers us then to show your heart toward others. And the real hallmark isn't just that we're self-absorbed and feeling warm and fuzzy, but we want your kindness. We want you to be just as good to others as you have been to us. So Father, for each person listening right now, each person praying quietly, I ask, Father, for their life to make a difference in this world. I ask for them to be aware of the legacy of love the eternal impact of the benevolence and the kindness, the service that we show toward others. God, just shake each one of us to be more determined than ever to reach out and to leave a legacy of love. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.